Beijing and just the broader China in terms of first impressions, this is not a communist country. It does not feel like, it might be formally, but it doesn't feel like a communist country at all. It just feels like a wealthy, fast-growing country. So just to give you an idea, I, for a, in a million years, would never have imagined that I would see my first Rolls-Royce dealership in a communist country. But that's what I saw when I went downtown in the ritzy shopping area of Nanjing. And this is it. It doesn't feel like everyone's the same. You see dealerships like that, and then you see, I saw a guy pulling a cart, a wooden cart, on the side of the road filled with garbage. So you see that, and then you see a Rolls-Royce dealership. I think I saw a Maserati dealership, too. Upscale shopping plaza, multi-stories, uh, all the, you know, really luxurious brands from Europe and North America. It just does not at all feel like a communist country. I've been to Cuba, and it's a totally different feeling. You know, China just feels rich. It just feels capitalist. And so that was one impression. And then in terms of shopping, I guess the main thing I'd talk about is going to the supermarket. So I would shop for my own food. I just had to walk uh, about, I don't know, a kilometer, uh, basically past all the, this little marketplace of selling souvenir type things and even... Uh, pick up foods that you, that you could get, um, sort of Chinese fast food sort of thing, uh, to get to the grocery store. So that's where I would usually shop is at the grocery store. So some things that you'd see that are a little different is you'd actually see turtles for sale in the grocery store. It wasn't a market. This is a supermarket I'm talking about. Uh, so in a supermarket, seeing turtles in a tank is a little different. <laughs> and then uh, the other really interesting thing I found unique is the eggs. They must have extra strong shells in China. I mean, you wouldn't see them. Never, not once, did I see eggs in an egg carton like we have in Canada to make sure they don't crack. They would literally have eggs in a bag on top of each other, and maybe like a dozen, you know, quite a few. And you would actually see uh, e-bikes with a guy delivering eggs, and he'd have bags of them on the back of the e-bike. And so, or it might be in like a crate filled with eggs. So just shell the shell. And... Um, Sure enough, you know, when I bought the eggs, there's something different about the shells. They're, they're definitely much harder that they can survive that. And then the other thing is, in terms of going to the supermarket, again, just being treated so well because I was pretty sure it's because I was a foreigner. I mean, I hadn't heard, I didn't witness this woman doing this with anyone else, but you know, just this sort of woman, I guess, adopted me in a way at the uh, supermarket. So when I would come in, she would rush over to me and she'd try and 
pr uh, promote some kind of food and get me to try it. And she'd offer like, you know, usually like two for one or something. She'd get like one bag of um, something like something frozen. And then she'd get another bag identical and then tape them together and offer the two of them for the price of one. And I was the only one she was doing it with. And she did this regularly whenever I went to the supermarket. So again, just being treated so well everywhere I went, just spoilt. Although there are extremes between the very rich in China and the very poor, there is massive investment in infrastructure that benefits everyone. When I was in Nanjing in 2013, they were building subway systems. 17 lines was the plan. And at the time, they only had two lines functioning and three were being built. And these are being built much more rapidly than you'd ever see in Canada. And these were like the newest, most modern, safest subways you can imagine. I'd never seen such safe subways. So I want to give you an idea. And I'm what I'm getting at is that I'm not sure. Maybe in the West, we wouldn't spend so much money on safety as maybe China would. So, for instance, the subway system, there was a glass wall that separated the platform from the corridor where the subway train traveled. So what would happen? A subway train would pull up in the station and the doors on the subway train would align with glass doors on the glass wall attached to the platform, and both would open when the train stopped. And so people would get off or get on the train at those doorways. There is no way to jump in front of the train. There was a wall in between you and the corridor where the train traveled. So very safe, incredibly safe. And the cost of the train and public transit overall, uh, the air-conditioned buses, I remember, were 40 cents, and the non-air-conditioned, 20 cents. And the subway, at that time, it was about 30 cents to travel eight stations. And if you had a pass card, it would be even cheaper. So there's a lot of subsidies have to be in the system to keep it down to that level. And so this is China acknowledging, I think, its developing status and that there are people in rural areas that don't have as much. While I keep going on about the wealth in China, I think we often forget that China is still a developing country. For instance, more than once I saw a man pulling a wooden cart along the side of the road in downtown Nanjing. I also had a really funny thing happen to me when I was shopping at the upscale supermarket in Deji Plaza, the ritziest area of Nanjing. It left such an impression that I quickly returned to my apartment and memorized every part of what happened and posted it on Facebook.
so my friends could have a laugh with me. I'll share that with you now. I figured it out. China is developing so fast, likely faster than any civilization in history, that its agrarian culture is clashing with globalization and people are struggling at adapting. It's the only way I can explain what happened to me. While the Digi Plaza has Lamborghini and Rolls-Royce dealerships, my theory is that many Chinese who at least go to the upscale Western supermarket there are still in the midst of transitioning from their rural village. That's why I saw a crowd of rural looking Chinese people crowding around the coffee section, trying to make sense of coffee. As I walked up and got my package of beans, it was like I had entered a small village because suddenly I felt everyone's eyes on me. An old male customer with his wife motioned to the grinder girl that she needed to take care of me. Then a male store manager looking type quickly entered the scene by confirming that I knew it was coffee beans that I was holding in my hand that the grinder girl was going to grind up for me. Then he asked if I would like a small sample of good American coffee that he wanted to make so he could show off his coffee preparing prowess by demonstrating he knew how to operate the espresso machine. After sampling it and making sure I responded loudly enough so everyone could hear me say, that's good. With immense pride, he thanked me. By now, the crowd was intently watching the grinder girl in action, while the now three employees made a fuss of me. With the three girls getting too much attention, the store manager type felt it was time to step in and demonstrate that he knew how to grind coffee too. He pushed aside the sales girl who had been doing a fine job up to that point to demonstrate his grinding prowess. Then the sales girl wrapped it up and handed it to me as the eyes of the crowd followed and smiled and nodded goodbye to me. All this just to get fresh perk coffee, I thought? Another experience as a Westerner in the hamlet of eight million they call Nanjing. And that brings us to a close of another episode of The Maple Dragon, the seven-year-long chronicles of a Canadian professor in China. Get early access, bonus episodes, and more inside Mark Robson's community at themapledragonpod.com. Join us every Monday for a new episode. Till next time, take care of yourself. Goodbye.